We'll turn with me in your Bibles, please, as we come to the Gospel this evening, the Gospel of John, please. We're turning to the Gospel of John, please, in the chapter 11. The Gospel of John, in chapter 11. And as we've mentioned already, we're not wanting to speak in the statement of the Lord Jesus Christ, that I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Through the Lord Jesus, he made seven I am statements about himself in the Gospel of John. The Savior said of himself, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the door. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he also said, I am the true vine. Seven, I am statements. Seven things that the Lord Jesus tells us about himself. In this passage this evening, we're going to hear the Savior say this wonderful phrase which we're going to think about tonight. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. John chapter 11, please. And the verse 1. And this is the word of the Lord. And it reads, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha, it was Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha, and her sister, and Lazarus. And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Drop with me, please, down to verse 14. Verse 14. Then Jesus said unto them plainly, as his disciples, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent he may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. And when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. That is Lazarus, who had lain in the grave four days already. Now that name was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs long. And then the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus, Jesus said, said, said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And here's our phrase tonight. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she said unto him, Yes, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. 
When she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that she as soon as she heard that she arose quickly and came unto him, now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted, comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was coming to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down in the street, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? And he said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. Believe the reading of God's word there. At this point, it's a long passage, but we'll refer to some of the later verses later on as we go through. We've read a lot of verses there, so very quickly what I want to do is tell you what happens in the chapter so that we understand the context. Mary and Martha had lost their brother Lazarus, three good friends of the Lord Jesus, and Lazarus was now born. And later in the chapter where we haven't read, there's a great miracle where the Saviour comes to the tomb of Lazarus, where he's lying, and he's been rotting there after four days, and his body would have been decomposing, and yet the Lord called him out of the grave. The Lord commands Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, he comes forth, still in his grave clothes, but he comes out of the grave, and a wonderful miracle happens here in God's Word. The Lord Jesus tells those present to loosen him and let him go free from these great foes. And what a wonderful miracle it was. This was a significant miracle because it was the last miracle that John records before the cross. It's not the last miracle that the Lord Jesus did, perhaps, but it's the last one that John records in the gospel before the Lord Jesus goes to the cross of Calvary to die for our sins. Arguably, it's one of the greatest miracles of our Lord Jesus as he brings someone who is dead back to life. In 1977, the Queen celebrated her Silver Jubilee. In 2002, the Golden Jubilee. And in 2012, her Diamond Jubilee. And then earlier in this year, on the 6th of February 2022, her Platinum Jubilee. A 25-year-old Princess Elizabeth and her husband, Prince Philip, had set off on an international tour on the 31st of January, 1952. King George VI had been at the airport to bid them farewell, and they had travelled to Kenya, and had spent the night there on the 5th and 6th of February in a treetop lodge. And it wasn't until late afternoon that the news filtered through from Britain that King George the Sixth had died. The sudden death of the beloved king plunged the nation into mourning. And that was when Queen Elizabeth took the throne. And now this week, Queen Elizabeth has passed on. And our royal family mourn her death. And our nation mourns her death. And they face death, it's a reality. 
Then a passage, the passage this evening that we have read, we need a little family from the town of Bethany. And they are facing death. Their brother Lazarus is dead. And the Lord Jesus is called out to meet with his friends, Mary and Martha. And in this passage, as we come to it this evening, we must begin with a morbid thought. Because we must face up to the reality of death. The reality of death. Read verse 14 with me again. Then the Lord Jesus says plainly, he says this, Then said Jesus unto his disciples plainly, Lazarus is dead. Here we're faced with the stark reality of death. You see, we all have a common problem today. Unless Christ returns first, we're all going to die. And that's what we read in verse 17. Then when Jesus came, he found that he, Lazarus, had lain in the grave for four days. He was dead. And Martha, he comes to the Lord, she comes to the Lord in verse 21, and we hear her say, Lord, if thou had a spain here, my brother would not have died. And now that statement is highly significant, because it's said with such hopelessness. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He's dead now, and it's too late, and her voice is hopeless. And she's saying to the Lord, you've come to me. We called you earlier when Lazarus was sick, but you're too late. You can hear the hopelessness in the face of death. And today as we think of death, it's a great level. Any medical profession, professional will tell you that once you pass the line of death, once you pass the opportunity of resuscitation, it's too late to do anything. You can't reverse it. Death is irreversible. We know that intellectually. We know that scientifically, but most of us here have known that personally, as we have lost loved ones, maybe even recently. Or maybe it's something that you ponder for yourself. When it comes to my time, what will death be like for me? What will it be like? How will I cope? How will I pass through? Where will I be after I die? In our passage this evening, we meet this little family who have been ripped apart, who have been separated by death. Lazarus is now dead. And as far as Mary and Martha were concerned, their whole world had fallen apart. And you know, in these days, death has invaded our nation as we mourn our queen, but death also, it invades our homes. And it brings with it division and discouragement and defeat. When someone dies, we're literally ripped apart. The word death simply means separation. And physical death is the separation of the body from the soul. Spiritual death is the separation of the soul and God. And eternal death is the separation of both soul and body from God and hell for all eternity. Dear unseen friend tonight, Death is something that we must all prepare for, because you have a soul. You see, one day this body, it will die, and they'll put this body into a wooden box, and they'll place it under the ground, and this body it will corrupt, and it will decay. But your soul, made in the image of God, will last for all eternity. And when the sun and moon and stars no longer shine, and when time will cease to exist, your soul will be in existence 
either in heaven or in hell, timeless, dateless, and measureless. Your soul made in the image of God will last forever and ever and ever. And there's only two possible destinations for your soul. Two possible existences after this life. One without God. And the horrors and the remorse and the punishment. That place the Bible calls hell. The one with God with the joys and blessings and reward. For those who place their trust. In Christ. So how does one come to heaven? Only one way. By believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's what John would be reading in the Gospel of John. That's why he wrote his Gospel. Did you know at the end of his Gospel he writes these words? He says, he wrote it that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of God. And believing and, and believing have life in his name. Eternal life. I want to tell you something. The reality of death will come to us all. And God's word doesn't guarantee us tomorrow. For we read in Proverbs 27 verse 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day will bring forth. Whether you're ready or not, it is appointed unto man once to death. But after this, the judgment. Death enters into the home of the saved and the unsaved. I want to tell you that. You see, it will visit anyone. Here was a home in Bethany. There was a Christian home. Mary and Martha, they loved the Lord. Lazarus loved the Lord. And they welcomed Christ into their home. And Christ was loved in their home. And Christ was honored in their home. I wonder, is that like your home? I wonder, is your home a home where God's Son is welcomed? Where God's Word is honored? Where God's cause is loved? Where God's people are received? Is it a home where... Christ is loved and a home that Christ loves. You know this home in Bethany, Christ loved them and they loved Christ. And yet death came to this home. You see, death it comes to all. And one day, whether we like it or not, or whether we believe it or not, we shall die. And I wonder when you see death and your soul goes into eternity, where will you spend eternity? You know, I shared this illustration a few weeks ago, but as I was thinking about this, I can't help but share it again. There were three university students who had been sharing a student house, and one of these students had a placement with BT in Belfast. He would have to get up early in the morning, and he would set his alarm, and as the story goes, the alarm would sound, and he would hit the snooze button. Then would go again and again, and he continued to hit the snooze button over and over again, and this would continue until he ran out of opportunities to get up and he would end up late for work. This continued day after day and he lost the job. But I wonder could there be someone sitting in here tonight? Maybe God's Spirit has convicted you of your sin many times. Maybe you've even sat in the pews of this church and shed a tear as the conviction of the Spirit of God has came upon your soul. How many times will you hit the snooze button of God? I wonder this evening, could you hit it for the last time and be forever too late? Oh, sinner, God's patience may weary someday and leave thyself soul in the glass. By willful resistance you've drifted away over the deadline of glass. 
O turn while the Saviour in mercy is there, and steer for the harbour line. For how do you know but your soul may be drifting over the dead line tonight? The reality of death. I want you to see secondly this evening the Saviour who has defeated death. If Christ can do nothing about death, then there's no point in me standing here and preaching the gospel tonight. If Christ can't offer hope, well, there's no point in me standing for telling you that it's good news that I proclaim because it would just be bad news. In fact, I just wouldn't be here tonight because I wouldn't believe the message of the gospel. But we sang of it so many times tonight. I serve a risen Savior. And tonight, praise God, as I come to this place, I present to you a Savior who, yes, went to the cross of Calvary, and shed his precious blood for you at Calvary. But on the third day he rose again. And he defeated death. And he defeated Satan. And tonight he offers you eternal life. Because he has defeated death. And he has defeated sin. You know he says in scripture. Behold I am alive forevermore. What a savior. One who is living tonight. You know the evening I could take you to see Buddha. And he's still in his grave close. I could take you to see Muhammad, and there he is in his great goals. And many religions in the world, they look to men who are tonight dead. I can't take you to the tomb where the Lord Jesus lies because it's empty. But he's living, and he's here tonight by his spirit. And he's in our midst tonight by his spirit. And he comes to you tonight, and he offers his salvation to you, a living Savior, one who can give you hope and death. And he says in our passage tonight, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I am the resurrection and the life. Not I was the resurrection and the life. Not I can be the resurrection and the life. Not I will be the resurrection and the life. He says I am. He speaks the statement with power. And I want you to see that there's only, there's only one power in this world that can raise the dead, that has ever raised the dead. And it's the power demonstrated in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ when he rose from the tomb. And the Lord Jesus, he raised many others from the dead. We've read one example tonight. He raised Jairus, his daughter. He raised the widow of man's son. And he raised Lazarus. Christ proved his power over death by raising these people from the dead. But what about his own resurrection? What about his own resurrection? Sure, if the story ended with the horrible death at Calvary, it would just be tragedy, and I would give up on the gospel. But up from the grave he arose, and Jesus is alive, and he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth. To make intercession for them. The Lord Jesus, yes, went to the cross. Yes, shed his precious blood for your sin. But he died to death for the wrath of God for you. And today is living and offers you his salvation. The Savior who has defeated death. Truly he can say, I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, dear friend, we're feast with the reality of death as bad news. But we're faced with a Savior who can prepare you for death. Who can prepare you for eternity in God's Word tonight. Let's read the Savior's full statement again this evening. 
He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you see what Christ says? He says, he that believeth. You see, there's the need to believe. He that believeth. The Bible says and makes it abundantly clear. Don't complicate the gospel message. It's simple. It's simple. It's so simple even a child can understand it. It's child faith. The gospel message is so simple. It's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's it. Trust Christ alone for your soul's salvation, for faith in Christ is the requirement to obtain the resurrection and life which Christ gives. You see, let me tell you, the works and the good things you do will never save you. For the Bible says, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. That's found in Galatians chapter 2 verse 16. Nothing you and I can do will ever save us from a lost eternity. Nothing we can do can save us from eternal separation from God. You might be a kind-hearted person. You might be a wonderful neighbor. You might be a great person to spend time with. You might be kind. You might tithe and give your money to the church. You might even give your money to charity. You might be recognized in this community as someone who does great works for charity. But these things will never, ever get you to heaven. The Bible tells us that the good things we do, there are filthy rags. Your works won't get you to heaven. Turning over a new leaf will never save you. You know when the new year comes right? And you hear people saying, you know, I'm going to try and lose weight this year. I'm going to try and run. I'm going to try and do this. And talk about all these new leaves. I'm going to try and new leaf. It never lasts. Well, you might say, well, I'm going to try and be a better person. I'm going to turn it and turn my life around now. For the Bible says God requires that which is past. That's found in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 15. You might turn and believe now. You could try and live for God now. But God requires that which is past. Your whole life. You see, where we have a deficit that must be punished. Christ went to the cross and died for you. Your works, your works will never save you. Turning over a new leaf, it'll never save you. Religion, religion will never save you. For you could be rolled up in religion. You could be the best attender at Green's Baptist Church. You could come to all the meetings. You could be present all the time. You could be a great person and you could be, be happy and spend time around here. But let me tell you, you could be rolled up and wrapped up in religion and still die and go to a lost eternity. For you see, religion says, do all these things. It's all about doing and you'll get to heaven. But the Lord Jesus Christ says it's already done. It was finished in Calvary. The cross work is finished, the work is done, the price is paid, the blood is shed, and all you have to do is put your faith and trust in the finished work of Calvary, where Christ went and bore the wrath of God for you, took your punishment, took your place. The gospel is simple. I say again, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. I wonder, is someone here in your faith today? The Lord Jesus says, believe in me. And listen, you will never die. 
for the saved person, the one who's trusting in Christ for their salvation, that it'll simply take an instant transition from this old life to the new, and the person that's prepared in this life for death doesn't need to fear. Why? Because in Psalm 23, we're reminded that the Good Shepherd will comfort you. And that's what makes it great to be a Christian, because we're on our way to an eternity with heaven, and heaven with God forever. And we'll dwell there forever and ever. I wonder tonight, are you see, at the head of the church, the Lord Jesus is alive. You need to put your trust in him to know that he will live one day forever and ever. Whoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. And I mean, tell you, it's whosoever. It doesn't matter tonight if you're young or old. If you're learning or illiterate, if you're Catholic or Protestant, orange or green, rich or poor, religious or rebellious, if you come to Christ acknowledging your sin, and turn from it and accept Christ by faith you'll live, personally, spiritually, eternally. You know, as we conclude, I want you to notice the question that the Lord Jesus asks Martha. He asks it in verse 26. He makes a statement, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And he turns to Martha and he asks a very important question as we draw our gospel meaning to a close. He says, Believest thou this? Do you believe that one? Do you believe in the resurrection of Martha, she gives this absolutely wonderful answer. Says in verse 27, she said unto him, Yes, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Let me ask you, dear friend, tonight, the same question that the Savior has. These aren't my words. These are the words from God and God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to these words come through his lips. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall be dead. And he says to you tonight, Believe us, God. Dear unconverted friend tonight, the Lord Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. And he went to the cross for your souls so that when you face death, that you will know eternal life if you'll only put your trust in it. <clears throat> you know, Martha didn't know about the cross yet. That hadn't happened when she made this statement. She didn't even know about the resurrection yet. That hadn't happened. But she believed everything that the Lord Jesus had revealed to her up to this point, and she said, I do believe. And now we're here tonight. And we do know about the crosswork of Calvary. The Lord Jesus died for you. And we do know that he's risen from the dead. And we do know that we present the living Savior. Maybe you think to yourself tonight, well, I'm not so sure, Peter. Resting from the dead is a bit far-fetched. 
Well, let me tell you, after his resurrection, he appeared to the apostles. He appeared to five hundred men at once in one place. There's so much evidence that the Lord Jesus Christ is alive. In fact, I could bring many of the people up here tonight who are sat around you in this room. They could tell you how they have experienced Christ living in their own lives today. There's so much evidence that he's living. But the question comes to you, do you believe? I can tell you, if you don't believe, it's not because there's no evidence. Lord Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Much has been said about Her Majesty the Queen over the past number of days, and I'm sure that will continue over the next week. But now she is gone. And tonight, in, in fact, I stay here in God's house. We've said much about the eternal King of Kings, who will never vacate his throne. And he offers you eternal life tonight. I wonder when you bow to him, accept him as your eternal king and savior.